Hello, and welcome to Everyday SEL. My name is Chris Williams, and this is our very first podcast of Everyday SEL. So welcome, and we hope you enjoy. I'm joined by several colleagues of mine in the Sacramento area, and we are here to talk about SEL on an everyday basis. And we thought that we would maybe start with just a conversation about why. Why did we decide that this is a good topic for us to discuss? And why did we feel it was a good time to share this and share this conversation uh, more broadly, just um, not just with ourselves, but with others who might benefit from this. I'm joined with Shauna Cook-Harvey, Director of SEL for Folsom Cordova Unified School District, Micey Lee, Director of SEL for Sac City Unified School District, and Hannah Colentine-Cole, Coordinator of Mental Health for Sacramento County Office of Ed, and that is also where I work at the Sacramento County Office of Ed. So Shauna, why don't we start with you? Why does SEL matter? And why is this a good time to talk about it? Obviously, just a little bit about your background. You um, sure. worked a little bit, worked pretty closely with Linda Darling-Hammond, uh, wrote some articles about SEL, but of course your background, you started as a teacher, founded a charter school. So you've been on the front lines, not just as a researcher, but also in the classroom why is, why is SEL important and why do you think now is a good time for us to be talking about it? Oh, so for this particular group of folks, we've always thought SEL was important and always matters in everyday life, hence the title. Um, but I think given that we're kind of engaged in our whole country, our whole world, the whole planet for that matter is currently at this very moment dealing with a collective and shared trauma that um, I think different people experience differently and feel in different ways. Um, and I think more than anything in terms of the why and the why now for me is I keep grappling with this idea that the entire enterprise of teaching and learning and schooling is having to happen in a completely different way um, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, for years now, people have been able to opt into distance learning and virtual learning and online degree programs and online classes and MOOCs and all of that stuff has been around for a lot of years, but um, never before has the entire, you know, education system writ large from K all the way through to doctoral programs are now having to think about doing learning in a virtual space. Um, and you know, so much of social emotional learning, in my opinion, is predicated on that face-to-face -face interaction. It's how we respond to the nuances of body language and facial expression. And you know, in terms of for an educator, it's noticing when a kid comes in your classroom and they look a little sad or seem really excited and figuring out how to tailor learning experiences for the individuality of each child in your classroom. Um, and so much of being able to do that well is because you get to know your kids and you see them every day and you have this mm -hmm. interaction and shared experiences. And, um, and, and for me as the director of SCL in, in my school district, I'm trying to think about, whoa, how exactly do we do this now? without any of those in-person interactions. And I'm yeah. intrigued by that and perplexed by it <laughs> and terrified of how to, you know, coach anybody or support anyone through how to do this. I mean, I was, I made a joke the other day with 
one of my teams, um, I said, gosh, the last time I was teaching in a classroom, I was using an overhead projector. So that's how <laughs> far away I am from like technology in a classroom that like, who am I now to be coaching people on how to do this in a space where you're not physically in the same room with your students. Um, so are you I'm suggesting really that overhead projectors are outdated? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I'm just saying it's kind of an old thing. I still like a transparency. I like having my arm full of like a marker and licking and smearing. And, you know, now that just sounds like a Petri dish of COVID-19. But um, anyway, not to make a joke about it, but, uh, you know, so I, I am intrigued by that. And I'm, and I'm curious to see um, not only where we're going to end up, as a profession after this, but also how we're gonna grow and evolve in the midst of it. Um, and I think cultivating and being in tune with the ways that we can um, you know, provide opportunities for adult social emotional learning as well as student SEL in, in this time is really important. And so I feel like it's as much a learning process as it is a kind of watching and studying the way that this is gonna happen. Um, I think that's great. And I'm, uh, there's a lot to unpack there is just this idea of face-to-face -face, um, versus online, the human connection, human connectedness. Mm -hmm. But you also mentioned trauma and uh, you know how uh, yeah. students, but also the adults are processing that trauma. And I think mm -hmm. that's so important. And, and a lot of uh, how I entered into the field is the idea of how are we coaching and helping adults who are with young people in the classroom every day, how do we help them understand kind of like what do they bring to the equation, mm -hmm. right? Um, like how do we mm -hmm. attend to our own side of the street while also trying to manage these 30, 35, sometimes, uh, you know, little humans in a classroom. Um, and now that idea of managing ourselves, managing our own anxiety or self-management, I think is, uh, you know, how Castle refers to it. Um, uh, how do we uh, regulate our own emotions when we are also dealing with this trauma, right? We're not wanting to leave the house mm -hmm. uh, for fear or anxiety, but also feeling a huge pull to connect with uh, our peers, our students, uh, our school administrators. So for me, that's that's a huge part of this. Micey, we'd love to go to you. Um, uh, obviously, as a uh, director of SEL in Sac City, uh, Sacramento, one of the first cities in California to really engage with SEL. And I know that you were at the forefront of that in the partnership with uh, CASEL, the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning. We'd love to hear a little bit about um, you know, how you got into SEL to begin with. Why was it a, a thing for you? Um, and, and why now is it important for us to be talking about SEL um, during this this crisis, as, as Shauna so eloquently put it? Yeah, so I think, uh, obviously, our entrance into social emotional learning um, comes through CASEL, as you mentioned, um, uh, stands for the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning. Um, and we are part of the uh, FIRST CDI, another acronym, <laughs> stands for the Collaborative um, Collaborating uh, Districts Initiative. And so it's a group of districts that uh, attempted to do system-wide social-emotional learning um, across uh, uh, all systems, district to schools to classrooms. Um, 
So I got into social emotional learning because of my interest in, in human beings. And um, I was a psychology major. Um, so you know, human condition is always really interesting to me. Um, and as a uh, previous school counselor, um, it's near and dear to my heart in terms of how we engage with, with our students and, and the social and emotional well-being um, that are so critical and relevant to their academic success. Um, so that's, that's where my, my heart is. Um, I think where we are now, I, I agree with, um, with Shauna, this is such a, um, uh, an important time and in some ways um, heightens the relevance and importance of social-emotional learning uh, for individuals, for, um, for, for groups, for community. And so as I think about uh, what Shauna said earlier about the importance of social-emotional learning uh, being not just for students, but also for adults, um, I can imagine that with this new world of distance learning, um, that there is an increase um, uh, anxiety uh, not just with the uh, pandemic itself, but with just learning how to navigate a new uh, delivery mechanism. And so, um, and really thinking about ways to make learning meaningful, and really thinking about ways to also attend to uh, students' affect and um, how they're thinking, feeling, um, responding. So I can imagine that for the adults in the system, um, it, it's a stressful time. And, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to say that, you know, around stressful times, it's about how do we employ social emotional learning on steroids in such a way that <laughs> we can truly wrap around um, our community uh, in a way that, uh, you know, they feel the kindness, they feel the compassion, they feel the sense of connectedness and belonging um, in greater ways than, than other times. Um, all things being equal, you know, for the most part, we, we human beings, um, I think, uh, you know, have, have good intentions and, and we're civil and, and we can engage well. Um, but in stressful times, it calls for us to be more than that. It calls for us to be, as a collective, um, to build our, our efficacy and to know that, um, in particular, as we're social distancing, that we're still connected and that we um, have commonalities, in particular, um, anxiety, right? I, I, I talked to a lot of people in the last few weeks, and that is the one thing that people feel, whether it's anxiety about going outside and the unknown of, of um, walking too close to someone and, you know, whether they have uh, COVID-19 or not, um, mm -hmm. or, yeah. you know, kids who are at home and um, may or may not have enough to do, uh, parents trying to navigate um, being a professional working remotely, as well as um, attending to their children's learning. So. I love that. And I love, I love that idea of, um, you know, again, starting with the adults. And again, you said so much in there that, that would love to unpack um, but this, this time, right, this is a complex time, right? Uh, educators are many of whom are also parents, right? So now we have to think about how are we creating this system, which is foreign to many of us, right? This online system, how are we creating that for the students that we serve while also being at home, trying to manage our own kids at home? You know, for me, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old uh, and trying to figure out how do I work from home, 
how do I attend to my responsibilities while also attending to the responsibilities of these little humans that I am personally responsible for? Um, and that idea of managing anxiety, right? Because I'm also a human and I have anxiety about going to the grocery store, um, you know, walking outside and, you know, walking too close to folks. And, and, you know, I think it's a spectrum, right? Some folks are, you know, kind of more on the paranoid end of the spectrum and other people are more on the spectrum of this is not that big of a deal. And we all fall somewhere along that. So how do we first, again, to go back to Castle's example, how do we first recognize and understand and name our own emotions? How do we then uh, try to manage those emotions? And how do we also encompass this within a social perspective, understanding where others are on that spectrum, uh, building those, those relationships with others, and then leading to responsible decision-making, which of course the definition of which can change from a moment to moment perspective. Um, and Hannah, this reminds me of, uh, of you, for example, um, now, for those of you listening out, out there, many, probably none of you know this, but Hannah joined our office literally one week before the stay-at-home order uh, was put in place. So add to the complexity of everything that we just described, Hannah is now uh, anxiety around uh, understanding the culture, fitting in, um, what is normal, how do I uh, kind of prove myself? And Hannah, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about all of that, but also the tool that you helped to create around managing anxiety for adults. You brought together a bunch of resources and um, really created, made it a, a very useful tool for folks to understand this conversation through different forms of literature. And I wonder if you did this for others or for yourself or for both. And, and how are you managing your own anxiety um, within all of this complexity? Yeah. So, you know, like, like you said, Chris, I made a big transition from direct service work. I've been working as a school social worker with a district in the area um, for the past four years and then was doing direct service work as a school social worker in Oakland and Richmond, the Bay Area before that. Um, so a lot of direct service work. So the first week in, no, the second week in March, I started this new position as a mental health grant coordinator with SCOE. Um, so again, you know, here I was making a big life move in the midst of a global public health pandemic. Um, <laughs> and I think... <laughs> Just how you drew it up, right? <laughs> you know, we all planned this. Um, but I think one thing... Um, that's really resonating with me in this experience is my experience starting a new job in the midst of this has been strange. You know, it's been positive. It's been extremely challenging. It's just been strange. And I keep thinking about colleagues and friends and, you know, everyone's got their story around this. So this is my story. Mm -hmm. um, but I have friends who are pregnant mm -hmm. right now, friends who are pregnant and their partners are sick. And so they have to be isolated from their partners. Um, you know, I'm thinking about all of the social workers and counselors and teachers I was working with in my previous district. And they all have their own lives going on right now too. You know, folks are moving, folks are getting married. Um, you know, I guess what really resonates to me is we all have these really unique narratives right now. Um, and we all have our stories in the context of this greater global crisis that's happening. 
Um, and I know you were asking Chris a little bit about when I developed that tool, was that for me, was that for, um, others, I would say both, um, you know, week one in this job, no handshakes was officially a thing. So that was a bizarre way to start where, um, you know, I'm meeting everyone for the first time trying to be very professional and doing fist bumps or an awkward wave <laughs> from behind to um, you know, so that was bizarre at the end of week one, Sacramento announced that all schools would be temporary closing. So we were all, there was so much buzz going around the office and all this, you know, this feeling of anxiety. Um, and then week two on the job, we were told, uh, halfway through the week to immediately go home and start working remotely. So again, just a strange context for everyone and a strange context to start a new job. And, um, you know, part of what I've thought a lot about during this time is, you know, like you said, Chris, um, you know, here I am in the middle of kind of this broader crisis, of course, that's impacting everyone differently. And I'm, you know, sitting at home glued to my computer thinking, okay, how can I show that I'm a hard worker during this time? How can I prove myself being a diligent worker? And I was miserable by the end of my first week of working remotely because I was stressed. I was exhausted. I'd given very little energy or thought into how I was coping with what was going on. I attended a webinar with um, the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, and they're doing amazing webinars right now that I strongly recommend to everyone. And part of what um, Dr. Mark Brackett talked about was the importance of creating spaciousness to build new routines and to organize yourself and to slow down and really think about how you're reorganizing your day to day. And of course, I know that probably looks different for everyone. Um, but that's certainly been something I've been thinking about. Yeah. So I, I love that, Hannah. And I, just as you were talking, I, you know, I've been a big part of your story um, here. And yet, even as you were talking about your story and kind of managing your own anxiety, I felt it to be very compelling. Um, because I think it really is, it's about those human connections. And as you were talking about your struggle, that really drew me in. And again, and I'm, I'm very much aware of your struggles. Um, but I would love to talk a little bit about that, about how our stories evolved. And, uh, and, and what is it about our stories that are compelling? And what is it now about this kind of collective story that we're sharing or building or creating, even though none of us are feeling connected, right? Here we are working from home, and yet there is this global story that is being written. Yet I wonder, I know personally, I don't feel like I'm really part of a collective story because I'm home. You know, I was, I was in New York City during 9-11, and uh, there are similarities to that time. Um, you know, there's this kind of, uh, I always talk about this, this new language that formed in New York City where folks would kind of uh, say partial sentences to each other, but we all knew what we were talking about, right? Like somebody would say like, hey, so how'd you do? 
And people would say things like, well, nobody in my inner circle, but we're still waiting to hear from a few others. And that obviously meant like, well, nobody in my immediate inner circle were in the two towers, but we are still waiting to hear from, from a few others. And, and that, that kind of stunted language became something that was a real connector for all of us. And New York City really came together because we could, right? You know, I was bartending at the time and my bar was very much a, almost like a community center. Um, and I remember the Friday night, uh, 9-11 was on a Tuesday and on Friday night, uh, my bar, my partner and I we said like, geez, do you think we should put some music on? Because for the whole week we had only been watching CNN, you know, like watching the news. And we almost felt guilty about, about putting the music on. And we said, no, let's do it, you know? And we put music on. And after a couple of minutes of the music being on, that buzz of the bar, that kind of normal buzz of the bar kind of returned. And a couple minutes later, we heard laughter. Mm-hmm. And it was startling. It was startling to hear laughter again after four days of having no laughter. And at the end of the night, a couple of people came up to us and thanked us and said, this is you know, the first time all week where I remember laughing and it's the first time I felt normal. Um, And I wonder when we talk about this need for connection and this need for, you know, Hannah, you mentioned like we all have a story. Um, What is our individual story and how are we connecting it to others? Um, And, and I would just love to kind of throw that out there and hear your guys' reaction of what's the individual story that you have and, and what is the, the connective tissue and how are we building a connectiveness through this social isolation? It seems, seems in conflict. Yeah, Shauna. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the, I don't know if I can answer the story part, but something you just shared about the bar in New York after September 11th and that what really sticks out to me is um, just how comforting something even remotely normal can feel when everything around you is abnormal or everything around you is so completely different than what you have experienced in the past and I think the thing that I'm desperate for right now personally is finding fragments of normal in the midst of not normal. (laughs) Um, Like, for example, a really small example for me personally right now, I got dressed my whole like head to toe. I'm wearing clothes. (laughs) I I, like I put makeup on my face. I realize I haven't had makeup on my face for I don't know how long ago was March 13th. Right. That's the last time I like got dressed and tried. Um, And so like there's there's something about how I feel right now. Um, that feels a little bit different and a little bit connected, more connected to my previous normal. Um, Mm. And and another thing kind of along those lines um, is, okay, there's so much I can't control, but this activity of getting dressed, (laughs) I actually can control that. Whether I leave my house or not, I can actually control that little piece, right? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, the way that I'm trying to figure out how to um, manage this sense of and kind of frankly impending doom it feels mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. um, right. is by holding on to those fragments of normalcy that I can find and stitch together I mean but I think there's something to this idea of hang, finding something that feels normal and familiar and kind of enjoying 
that and being really present in the moment instead of kind of harping on the what it could have been, what it should have been, and what it was like last year, what it was like five years ago, or what it might be in August or December or whatever. Um, and I think that's where the mindful, the whole idea of mindfulness and being present in the moment and, and engaging in that feels more real to me than it ever has before. And all the times that I've yeah. said, oh, mindfulness, it's good for your brain and for your body and helps you manage stress. It's like, yeah, okay, if you sit down and do it, but somehow right now the urgency of the stuff that we've talked about with regard to SEL seems all the more urgent and real. And you better believe I'm like, let me do a mindfulness practice. Let me do a meditation. <laughs> let me try all the things in my little gratitude list. I'm just like, let's do it all. Um, but there's something to it, I think. Yeah. That normalcy. Normalcy and, and a grasp for normalcy. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear the rest of you yeah. talk a little bit about that. And why is it important? It's, why is it's it important, interesting. So I'll, I'll um, uh, build upon that. I think it's, it's the enjoying the, uh, the, the normal routines that we were doing before to Shauna's point, right. You know, getting up and putting on makeup and getting dressed. Those, those are, um, those are important (laughs) things that maybe we took for granted before, but it feels so great, um, to take a shower, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. brush your teeth, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, the wonderful, uh, uh, normal things. I'm also actually starting to embrace a new normal, you know, starting to uh, really um, enjoy um, for, for my new normal is having um, uh, long dinners with my family and actually sitting in the dining room Mm. um, Mm. where yeah, I mean, whereas before we would be off to soccer practice, off to band practice. So we have maybe 15 minutes to be together and have a real dinner. Uh, and my new normal is that my teenage uh, children are starting to cook. And uh, my son learned how to bake bread for the first time the other day. Right. So amazing. I'm loving this new normal <laughs> where they're offering to make dinner and serving it totally. on nice dishes and having real cloth napkin to mm. enjoy our dinner with. Um, I will also echo this idea of, yeah. um, you know, mindfulness, right? And um, I think for me, it's been um, a, an opportunity for me to be more intentional about my own practice. You know, I preach it in my work and we, we offer uh, professional learning and, and what mm-hmm. have you, but I'll be the first one to say I am the worst practitioner of mindfulness. Um, you know, I'll do it. I'll, you know, I'll go on uh, days where I'm really good, and then you know I fall off the wagon. Um, but it's been it's been wonderful because I've had <laughs> to um, default to mindfulness on a on a daily basis. Uh, you know, since the school closures, you know, simply because. Um, I, it's one way that I can manage my, um, my emotions right now and, and sort of regulate and, and, and keep focus on what I need to get done. Um, the other thing that I, I started to do, and I, again, wasn't really good with this again, you know, physician heal thyself, right? SEL director, you know, do, do the things that you mm-hmm. say are really wonderful and practice what you preach. Um, I, I really have been trying to, and been, better at um, gratitude journaling. So that's been the one thing that's been, um, you know, really mm. keen on, on, on my to-do list. And it's been wonderful to just think about 
what the really good blessings are, what the goodness that I have right now, as opposed to going through um, all of the articles about COVID-19 and all of the, 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 the numbers that are going up right. and, and the lack of resources and what have you. Um, just turning that around and really thinking about what are the good things that I have. The fact that my dog walks without tugging on a leash, that's wonderful, right? Or the, the fact that Mm. <laughs> I, I get to uh, sit in a professional uh, meeting in my pajamas and no one knows that. It's wonderful. I, I, I love that. Hmm. Um, so just being <laughs> grateful uh, for the, the little things that, um, you know, sometimes we don't think about. But yeah. So I love this. I love um, the, the tips and tricks that we're offering. I think one of the things that you both said uh, that really resonated with me is this the kind of um, ability to fail, right? That here we are, the, the supposed or quote unquote experts in SEL, and yet um, we, we don't practice mindfulness, you know, on a regular basis, or, or we go through phases where we do. Um, and, you know, we, we have to recognize uh, this, uh, our own ability to kind of manage this anxiety and that some days we're going to be good at it and some days we're not going to be good at it. And the ability to build a practice but in building a practice, that means that you are evolving, right? That you're not doing it perfectly on day one or with consistency all the way through. And that if we're doing it um, kind of more than we used to, that's great. And that's progress. And then this other idea of the new normal, right? Grasping for normalcy, like getting dressed and putting makeup on, as Shauna said, but also the ability to evolve and define a new normal, Um and, and not to get too nerdy, um, but, you know, you mentioned way back when, uh, Micey, at the beginning of this, you talked about the human condition. You've always been, in, you know, uh, concerned about the human condition. And that reminded me of uh, Hannah Arendt, who that's her seminal work, The Human Condition. And this, uh, the struggle that we all have to kind of um, uh, connect our private selves with our public selves and our understanding of how do people view us versus how we view ourselves. And that the more those are two, those two are aligned, the kind of more at ease we feel. And I'm very grossly paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. um, but that now the private cells and the public cells are really merging potentially more than ever, right? We're seeing a peek into each other's private lives by seeing our kind of quote unquote home offices, uh, sometimes which are uh, sometimes are bedrooms. Um, and so how do we, uh, make sure that we are attending to our private selves while also attending to that public self and really being nimble and allowing for a new normal to take place, um, even while grasping for that sense of normalcy that has always to some degree defined us or, or that we really uh, take comfort in. Um, we're running out of time, but Hannah, I wonder if you have a, a, a couple thoughts to bring us home. Okay. And then we'll probably sign off for today. Yeah, well, I really appreciate what everyone's been saying. And I think as we're thinking about this new normal and how I think, Shauna, you were talking earlier about what we have control over and what and all mm -hmm. of the things we don't have control over mm -hmm. right now, which feels enormous. Um, and I think, again, for me, just figuring out some sort of routine for working from home has really for my own mental health been pretty incredible and just a couple of things that I and this is a work in progress but a couple of things that I've added to my new normal um in this position include 
every morning at 9 a.m., Chris and I do a check-in phone call. Um, And I want to emphasize that because Chris and I share a cubicle at work. So normally, we'd be able to talk all day long whenever something comes up. Mm-hmm. But now we do these 9 a.m. check-in phone calls, and I found it incredibly grounding um, of just this is what we do every day. And sometimes they're short, sometimes they're longer, but it is a way to get connection and to kind of prepare for the work day, all of these different things. And it's been really grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, just one more thing I wanted to kind of throw in there is for folks like myself, who live in really small spaces and maybe have their families also working from home now. One thing that I've done to really build some sanity in my own life is develop some rituals in terms of that phone call with Chris to start the workday. And one thing that I do at the end of the workday, because I don't have an office space, is I intentionally put away all of my work materials and think to myself, okay, now I'm done with work for the day. Mm -hmm. And again, just kind of creating that Mm. space to um, be intentional about our routines and how also we're learning to compartmentalize work and home when they're the same place right now. Mm -hmm. Right. That's great. Well, um, Thank you all. This has been really great for me, uh, our, our inaugural podcast. Um, I look forward to getting back together with you. For those of you who are listening at home, we're all uh, accessible. Hannah and I, Hannah Colentine Cole and Christopher Williams, we both work at Sacramento County Office of Education. That's scoe.net if you want to check us out. And you can find our email addresses on there. Shauna Cook Harvey at Folsom Cordova Unified School District, uh, Director of SEL, and Mai C. Lee at Sacramento County, or sorry, at Sacramento City Unified School District. Um, so please reach out to us. At some point in the future, we'll probably create some Twitter handles or something like that uh, so folks can reach out to Everyday SEL directly. For the time being, you can find us at our respective workspaces. Spaces. Thanks, guys, for connecting. I enjoyed this, and thank you all for listening. We will uh, post another pod uh, soon, and uh, we look forward to hearing your feedback. Great. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.